Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 118, released on October 29th, 2014. My name is Steve Eunice, and I will be joined by my good friend Scotty V. But I should mention off the top of the show, since it's a brand new thing, we have a new sponsor for Radio KAL, and our sponsor is Patrick O'Neill, proud Superman fan and Superman homepage supporter. So we thank Patrick for his support. Hey, Scotty. Steve, how's it going? Thank you, Patrick. Uh, good to have you uh, on board helping us out. Yeah, and uh, how's uh, your month been? Quick. <laughs> seemed like uh, we just started October, and here we are at the end of it already. Yeah, now you and I had a uh, interesting uh, live show filling in for Michael Bailey uh, about a week ago since this recording. That was a, a fun uh, <laughs> event. Yeah, I don't even know um, what was going on exactly, but it seemed like people couldn't hear us, and then they could hear us, or some people could, and some people couldn't, and uh, I guess... Uh, uh, it's it's recorded now, so you can check out the hijinks yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, much you know, much easier doing a uh, a pre-recorded show, right? Well, yeah, you can fix just about <laughs> anything. I mean, uh, for instance, uh, I normally sound uh, you know like the Hulk. You can't understand a word I say, but Steve goes in and does this uh, <laughs> magical uh, changeover to my voice. Uh, it's like post post I guess uh, post effects that they do on the movies. Nowadays, they get done a year early, and they do all these effects, and everybody mm. looks beautiful. That's what Steve does for me. In yeah. this. I mean, you, it's pity they couldn't do something like that for Christian Bale's voice in the Batman movies. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into our discussion topics for this month's show. Uh, we've got uh, a fair bit with uh, Superman. Oh, sorry, the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice film. They've been filming quite extensively throughout the Michigan area this past month. Uh, and right off the top, we have, uh, well, early in the month, early maybe in late September, early October, we had this protest rally that was being filmed in and around the Detroit, Michigan area where uh, there was like anti-Superman slogans, anti-alien slogans, uh, obviously some kind of faction out there that is upset at what happened in Man of Steel and the destruction caused by Superman and in Stopping Zod. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more I like in a Superman movie than uh, showing how disliked he is. Um, this is what I've been looking forward to uh, <laughs> uh, going forward. Uh, boo, Superman, you're horrible. Oh, look, it's a guy dressed as a bat. We love him. <laughs> yeah. It's basically what I'm hoping uh, we get to see. <laughs> Obviously, there would be a faction out there that would be anti-alien. You know, anything that's new or different or, um, you know, is not the same as what people are used to is usually, um, you know, debated or um, uh, protested against. There would obviously be, you know, I mean, we've had racial problems right throughout human history, so it's no surprise that someone would be against uh, a, a person from another planet, especially someone who is as powerful and as, uh, you know, all um, just awesome in his abilities that he has. Uh it would be obviously somebody out there. I'm sure there's a group out there who worships Superman too. I mean, we've seen that in the comics. Well, you know, I I, I agree with you. I, obviously, in the real world and in our situations that we've seen with racial tensions and, uh, you know, gosh, we got people telling people who they're allowed to love and, and who they're allowed to be with. And so, obviously, you're always going to have people that want to be on one side or another. I, I would like to think that if I 
suddenly displayed superhuman abilities and saved the entire world with those superhuman abilities that I wouldn't have a whole lot of people, um, you know, protesting against me. I mean, my answer would be what would have happened if I didn't do what had to be done? I mean, uh, I saved everyone. So speaking from Superman's point of view, I, uh, I don't really get the you know the vitriol although we did speak about this last month i believe it was and uh if you've got people that lost loved ones and building collapses and cars falling on them and things even though it really wasn't superman's fault i could certainly see them coming out and saying well if he wasn't here if this didn't happen if that didn't happen then um, i'd still have my loved one that's probably where a lot of the vitriol is going to come from i think yeah, and I, I wouldn't assume, I mean, we know from watching the movie that Zod only came here because he received or they found the signal that the scout ship that Superman um, or that Cal, you know, opened up in the ice. And he, I mean, he unwittingly sent that signal out, you know, once he um, turned on the scout ship that had been here for so many millennia or whatever, how thousands of years or whatever had been here. Uh, so... If not for Superman, then Zod wouldn't have come here. I mean, they may have found the place eventually, but I'm not sure that the people in the general public would know that, you know, that detail. No, but they do know, I guess, that Zod came on the airwaves and, and, yeah, and said, started saying, I'm here for you and you're one of us. And, you've been hiding. You know, so it's pretty evident, as you say, that they came for him. So yeah. if he wasn't there, then none of it would have happened, even though in the end he did save everyone. Mm. Uh, I guess you still could say, well, if they ever did find it and I wasn't here, but since you are here, they found it much sooner or mm. maybe not at all if you weren't here. So, yeah. you know, I could definitely see it go either way. And I, this has been a discussion I think uh, Michael Bailey and you have had, uh, others mm. have had, I've, I've talked to with other comic fans, for any comic book character really, how deadly would Metropolis be if – uh, Superman wasn't there. I mean, how many times would Metallo come and knock down a building? How many times would there be a giant gorilla running down the streets? How many times would Brainiac come and try to take people's minds if Superman wasn't there? So it kind of has one of those Catch it's a double too. kind of a double-sided uh, knife, I guess, you know. Uh, so there you have that. Yeah, that's very true. So I guess there is some um, you know, method to their madness, I guess. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the movie. You know, on one side of the, we know that they filmed a, you know, a dedication of a statue, and they'll, you know, uh, giving him the key to the city or something like that. On one side of the, of the, of the coin, and then on the flip side, you've got people protesting against him. So uh, I guess it shows both sides, and we'll have to see how big of a, uh, of a, a plot point that is in this upcoming movie. We've also seen them filming at the Broad Art Museum in East Lansing more recently. Uh, it's been setting up there for a while. We've seen, you know, red carpet. We've seen media things. We've seen waiters and waitresses, you know, uh, people setting up for some big gala, some kind of a fundraiser. There's uh, speculation both ways, whether it was a, a reopening of a library. We spoke about this on the live show last week of Metropolis's library after the, you know, being destroyed in the battle with Zod or whether it's Lex Luthor's home or whatever it may be. Uh, we do know that Lex is behind it. We have an understanding that he was the one holding the fundraiser, that Ben Affleck as uh, uh, Bruce Wayne was involved 
Bruce Wayne having been invited guests, and then perhaps we heard that Lois and Clark were there interviewing uh, at the media conference or whatever it might be, asking questions of those two uh, multimillionaires. Yeah, it's very interesting um, that we're already, well, I mean already, I guess I've said this before, and a lot of the filming is already wrapping up, I guess, mm. but uh, the the idea that we already know that, that Lex Luthor's involved in this, in this kind of way, and I guess raising funds probably to help rebuild Metropolis, we don't know much about the plot, but we can all speculate on what we think it might be, and it certainly seems like something uh, Lex Luthor and and Wayne Industries and, and that kind of thing would be involved with, even if uh, even if Bruce Wayne doesn't know right now that that Lex Luthor might have nefarious ideas in mind for his Endgame, but uh, together they might even be working on something like this a, a rally a, a way to kind of kind of not a rally a you know a fundraiser type of thing to try and help rebuild or maybe even rebuild some people's lives or or something along those lines or whatever they're doing but uh it's nice to see everyone kind of involved uh, Lois and Clark and and, and Bruce and, and Lex Luthor and um I guess uh, lots of other you know movie type celebrities were supposed to have been in attendance in this fictional uh, party. Yeah, we know that um, Tao Okamoto was there. We assume that she was, uh, or she's playing the role of, or a role similar to Mercy Graves, Lex Luthor's kind of right hand woman, uh, bodyguard. Um, Holly Hunter was supposedly there in whatever role she was playing. Uh, you know, so it's, they're all involved all around the area. Um, I think even uh, Gal Gadot was at the location, whether or not she was there in. Uh, Wonder Woman capacity or as Diana, I, we don't really know. Um, but um, it's all coming together. And as you say, they're, they're getting t towards the end of filming. Um, I do know that uh, Tao Okamoto has wrapped up her filming. She posted a photo of herself uh, giving Zack Snyder a piggyback in celebration of, of uh, finishing her um, uh, piece on Batman v Superman. So, uh, yeah, some people are wrapping up their, their roles already. Yeah, I haven't heard anything else about um, who, who's the gentleman. Is his name Skeet that had yeah, the Scoot, um, Scoot McNary? <laughs> Scoot. I haven't heard anything else about him. I just saw those strange pictures with the green socks and um, any word on whether he was in attendance at this party or anything? no. I don't know. But I, I having you know looked at uh, Scoot McNary, I noticed that uh, another connection to Ben Affleck. He was actually one of the actors in Argo, one of the um, the the people who they had to try to get out of um, uh, to extradite out of the uh, the country. I think was it in Iraq or Syria or one of those places. The movie was set in uh, one of the, uh, the the government people that they had to try to sneak out of uh, of the country to get him back to America. He was one of those six or seven people that were involved uh, playing one of those people. So uh, he obviously has there a connection again with Ben Affleck. There you have it, Ben Affleck, uh, with seemingly total control over uh, <laughs> this movie and uh, the entirety of the DC universe. Uh, we'll see how much further, uh, I guess, that keeps going. But uh, the movie was set in Iran. Iran, sorry, that's right. Tehran, Iraq. Yes. So uh, that's what's happening there at the Broad Art Museum. They've uh, been filming there and setting up there for quite some time. It's a quite unusual building. Uh, and speaking about buildings, uh, we do know that they're next headed to New Mexico. Uh, one of the locations they're headed to next is New Mexico, where 
there's been some massive constructions of a building type fortress type setup uh, that looks very foreboding and uh, very uh, large uh, out in the desert there of, of New Mexico. I, people are speculating it could be something to do with Themyscira, uh, Wonder Woman's home. I'm um, not sure what it is, but it looks pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I would go, I guess. Um, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, that area of the world doesn't have anything in common with Themyscira. You know, Themyscira is Greek in nature. and Paradise Island. uh, But uh, obviously there is no Paradise Island in the real world. So whatever they they design, whatever they come up with, is going to be built somewhere practical. And um, I, I would imagine that something like a New Mexico area would be tropical-like in uh, nature and uh, sandy and, and that sort of thing. So it could certainly be used for Paradise Island. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, the construction is still going on there, so uh, I imagine they'll be filming there towards the uh, the end of the year, I heard November possibly. So uh, and we also know that they're uh, headed to Chicago where they'll be going back to doing uh, some of the uh, Daily Planet locations. I think it's uh, a particular a tower there. Um, I want to say, um, oh, I'm trying to find the name of the, uh, Willis Tower uh, there in uh, Chicago. They'll also supposedly be, it says here in the uh, realchicago.com press release that they'll be uh, scheduled to film in the, like, uh, the farmhouse in Plainfield. I don't know if that's a, a typo because I always thought it was um, Yorkville, Illinois, uh, where the farmhouse was. Maybe there's another farmhouse that we don't know of in Plainfield somewhere there. Um, and they're also going to be going in the subway and, as I said, in the atrium at the Willis Tower for the Daily Planet. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess because we have so many supposed heroes, characters, people appearing in this movie, and it's such a mishmash of everybody. And we do have Lex Luthor, but we haven't. I haven't heard anything about a villain, about a a, uh, a quote unquote big bad or mm. or a disaster type situation. So um, when you mentioned the the farmhouse, it reminds me that obviously the first Kent farmhouse was destroyed by Zod and cronies and then obviously uh, rebuilt because it exists again in this film. But I wonder who's going to be around to destroy it this time around. (laughs) Poor Martha having to rebuild after rebuild, but uh, let's hope that doesn't take place. But uh, we do know that Diane Lane will be involved back again as Martha Kent, and she hasn't had much to do at this point uh, that we know of. Uh, She hasn't been involved or seen around any of the other locations, which would make sense. Uh, so if they are, and when they are headed back to Yorkville, Illinois, for the uh, Kent farmhouse scenes, obviously Martha and Diane Lane would then f- therefore be involved in whatever capacity she will be involved for that. Uh, so as we know, as I said, they're filming in different locations, uh, wrapping up towards the end of filming, uh, probably by the end of this year, early next year. I haven't heard of anything happening early next year this far as this point in time, as far as. Uh, any scheduled uh, locations to be filmed at. They might go indoors in studio. Uh, there'll obviously be heaps of post-production uh, to be done with special effects and editing and all that kind of stuff, and then music and all that stuff is still ahead of them uh, over the next 12 to 14, 16 months, whatever it is, until March 2016. So 
Uh, but we're getting lots of photos. We've been pretty lucky as far as all the different things we've been seeing uh, in recent times. They've headed back to the Metamora campgrounds, uh, the former Girl Scout campgrounds, uh, where they've been building what looks to be, um, well, there was a cemetery with the Wayne uh, tomb, uh, so that we've seen that in recent days. And we believe that maybe some kind of a, a you know a lake house or something there for for Bruce Wayne. Maybe it's some kind of a connection to the Wayne Manor. We're not sure, but uh, there's definitely a cemetery that's been filmed uh, with the uh, the Wayne tomb uh, involved there. I wonder if the lake house, you know, we spoke of this lake house a few months ago, mm-hmm. but I wonder if it's now that you mentioned uh, Bruce Wayne kind of retreat, uh, this is another possibility as to where he may have decided to kind of fade away from the spotlight, yeah. uh, fr- you know, and, and, and now uh, with whatever it is they're raising money for and uh, pr- perhaps coming together with uh, LexCorp to uh, make the world a better place or whatever, he's decided to come out of that retirement or that hiding even not only as batman as we've talked about before but also as bruce wayne uh, perhaps he's faded a bit from the spotlight as well now it does seem very batman heavy in all our discussions of what we've been talking about uh up to this point and it, this next topic isn't going to uh please too many people and i know you've uh, had your say on it in your great scott segment of the speeding bulletin uh, but charles roven in an interview uh, came out and said that they selected Ben Affleck uh, because of his height. Uh, they wanted Batman to tower over Superman, and so Ben Affleck was very suitable in that capacity. Yeah, I don't know um, if he uh, is really talking out of the other side of his mouth or if this is really a, a true statement. Um you know, when you, I don't, I don't know that when they interview kind of a pretty powerful guy like Affleck in Hollywood, you know, who's been given his choice of movies and who's been involved in the creative creating of a lot of the films that have uh, gone on to be nominated for awards and have won awards. You know, you mentioned Argo, um, uh, The Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's in Gone Girl, which is a, which is a, being very celebrated at the moment. He didn't direct it or anything, but I mean, uh, for a guy who was pretty much made fun of through the the entirety of uh, the, the, the late 90s into the 2000s, who now has a lot of pull and is now very respected in the industry, to, to, to go to him, obviously they wanted him involved and possibly they want him in a, we've talked about too, uh, in a creative capacity mm-hmm. as we move down the line. So to, to, to say that uh, because he was 6'4 is why we went to him, seems like kind of secondary or third dairy or maybe even fourth dairy than uh, necessarily to say that's the reason we cast Ben Affleck because we needed someone who was taller. Uh, there's a ton of people who would probably be taller, um, but they clearly went to Affleck for other reasons other than, mm. well, he's taller. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I've done, I did do a couple of great Scots on the subject uh, kind of with differing uh, viewpoints, and this is another a viewpoint, and that is that I really don't, and now that he is there and he happens to be taller, they might be planning on utilizing that. I'm just not certain how much of a, a role it really played in casting Affleck. No, I mean, I understand. I mean, he, they said that Affleck was the first guy they went to. That's who they wanted. Uh, it was his direct quote. Um, you know, he said he was the first guy we went to. That's who we wanted. 
Uh, he said that we knew that we wanted a very mature Batman because we wanted to juxt- juxtapose him with his, this very young Superman. So we wanted a guy who was tough, rugged, who had signs of life, who had lived a hard life, who and wanted we wanted the guy to have chops for sure. So we went down that list. There just weren't a tremendous number of guys who could carry that. But then he also went on to say, or before that he said, we also wanted a guy with big stature. Ben is 6'4", Henry is 6'1". We wanted Batman to tower over Superman. Not hugely, not like a basketball player. Superman needed to, and in parentheses, look up to Batman. We wanted that dynamic, and Ben could do that easily. So again, that kind of um, physical uh, stature, that is something that they... Uh, said that it was part of what they wanted, but obviously Ben Affleck was the guy who, as you say, was the first one they wanted to go to, and the fact that he embodied that, I guess, fit fit like a glove. I've kind of had an issue over the, over the past, I don't know, 10 years or however long it's been uh, that Batman has really grown to be the guy, yeah. uh, even in reading comics and, and looking at the figures, uh, looking at the statues, uh, looking at the you know animated series and things. When you see Batman, he he typically is bigger or uh, about the same size as Superman, mm-hmm. muscular wise. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not. Uh, you can't really tell height in a comic book unless they specifically put them right next to each other in their whole body and they show that the one is taller than the other. But um, I often think, yes, men can be big, men can work out, men can take lots of protein, men can become um, Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever. But Batman has never really struck me as the type of guy who is a heavy weightlifter. Mm, I mean, he lifts know. weights, obviously, uh, and he's in great shape, And but he's very, he's quick, he's very spry, he's very agile, and I don't know that, you know, Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger are particularly ninja-like hmm. uh, characters or able to move the way that Batman would need to move. And generally, when you get that kind of muscle mass on you, uh, without superpowers or something where you can fly, you're not going to be able to be, and you're also going to be really bulky. It's going to be a lot harder to hide yourself, which Batman tends to do a lot and sneak up on people and disappear. So it's, I guess he looks great with the really big muscles, as do all superheroes, but it, it does seem to be a little much. I think like mm, at all, pushing it further and further into like. Obviously, you want to. I could see them wanting a tall, kind of imposing figure as Batman too, because he's supposed to strike fear into the hearts of the criminals. So you can kind of tower over people, not just Superman, but over the criminals and and scare them, and that would certainly help. So there's two sides to that, and I'm not sure which makes more sense. Yeah, and I guess the same can be said of Superman. He doesn't need to be physically muscular to be, you know, have his superpowers because his powers aren't derived from his muscles. They're derived from the fact that he is a Kryptonian under our yellow sun. So uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be, uh, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type either because uh, it's not the muscles that are doing the lifting, it's the superpowers. That's right. And I, I was speaking to that as well, mm. you know, uh, I was mentioned to me years ago when I was younger that, you know, Superman could be a bowling ball shaped person and he would still have the powers that he has. So 
it isn't necessary. You know, he could have a misshapen face. He could be uh, the ugliest thing you could ever look at. He never is. You know, he's drawn as a either a very, very chiseled or very handsome or and, and very muscular and, and in shape. And none of that is necessary as Superman. It is much more necessary as Batman because Batman's a human being and needs to train himself extremely hard and extremely heavily in order to get what he needs to mm. fight crime and Bruce uh, Wayne's supposed I, to be a playboy who's you know got women jumping all over right. him so he has to look good looking as well that's right yeah so uh yeah i mean but that's what that's the iconic image that's the you know the whole idea of drawing these characters the way they do you know there's a lot of comic book artists who've been taken to task over they over the way they ob- objectify both the male and female uh body type uh for superheroes but I guess it's just what we expect from uh, some, you know, from our superheroes. Just like, you know, our movie stars have got to have a particular look or, um, you know, an athletic physique and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if they're playing these heroic parts, it's just part and parcel of the image that uh, the public expects. Yeah, it would be rather strange to have uh, slovenly bat, slovenly Batman or something running around trying to fit into the Batmobile. You know, those tights would be very hard to get onto. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's the uh, the whole quote by Charles Roven uh, about the height of Batman v Superman. Uh, now we move into some rumor territory, and it, this one seems to be getting some gaining some traction as far as uh, there being a female Robin in the movie. Uh, Jenna Malone was spotted on set a couple of months ago. Uh, she had a previous relationship with Zack Snyder, having been in Sucker Punch. And so when people spotted her on set, the rumor mill started. Is she in the movie? Is she not? She came out and, as actors do, denied being involved, said she was just having a set visit. But uh, more serious um, news media have uh, latched on to this story uh, months down the track since that uh, set visit and have uh, put Jenna Malone in the film, possibly playing a female Robin, which would, again, lend itself to the story of The Dark Knight Returns, which this movie seems to be inspired by for the Batman side of the story anyway. Is it uh, only the media outlets that are saying she's there, or is it confirmed that she is in the film at this point? No, nobody from Warner Brothers has actually come forward and confirmed it. It hasn't been a press release stating that she's in the movie. There is just those inside sources at, at The Hollywood Reporter who seems to be getting these things right more times than not. And uh, it seems that uh, she will be in the film. We just don't know what capacity. Uh, she has uh, tweeted a, or put on Instagram a photo of her having dyed her hair extremely orange, uh, which she is a redhead, but it's more of a, uh, a blondy red uh, than um, is now what her colour is. And that seems to lend itself again to that idea of a redheaded ro- female Robin. Yeah, I remember in that story, uh, the 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 Robin, uh, I forget her name, but she definitely had this kind of unnaturally orange hair. Mm. So, so yeah, it is certainly possible, and uh, and as you say, that would definitely put it in line with the Dark Knight Returns story, where there was a, a female 
Robin, which doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see all of the story elements, no. although it's already been used and it's already been referenced as inspiration. And mm-hmm. Affleck himself has said uh, that he he uh, really took the, the the Dark Knight Returns to heart, and it was part of his uh, studying and what he was inspired by to create his character. And you know, Zack Snyder used it last year at Comic Con or whenever it was that he announced that they were making the movie. So it's not that far fetched that there would be more in common with The Dark Knight Returns than what we might like. But as you say, perhaps it's just for the Batman side and hopefully mostly for the Batman side <laughs> of things. And, you know, being a, a a grizzled, old, kind of bitter, retired crime fighter who has gone through many things that have made him feel that way, uh, one of those things could certainly be the loss of uh, one or two or several Robins to whatever other elements he lost them to. You know, mm. in one case, it's a guy who decides he doesn't like being with them anymore, so he strikes out on his own. The other dies, the other does this, the other does that. And uh, now we're on to the next one. So that doesn't necessarily mean she's the first. I have heard a lot of Batman fans saying, oh, how can you do this and just skip over Dick Grayson and everybody? Well, uh, we've already been told that this is a Batman who worked previously as Batman, so he probably had those Robins at other times, and this is a new one. If that is the case, and that is who she is. So. Yeah, so again, we'll wait for that one to play out and see uh, if that is indeed true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, while I've been very uh, against the whole idea of The Dark Knight Returns being an inspiration for this film, that only stems from the way Superman is portrayed in that graphic novel and in the animated movie that was inspired by it or it was an adaptation of. Um, But for the Batman side of things, I have no problem with them being inspired uh, by uh, Frank Miller's Batman from that story. And if they're using elements from that story for the Batman side of things, then that's fine by me. I have no problem with that. I only have a problem if they start incorporating the way Superman is uh, portrayed in that graphic novel and the, you know, that, that would be uh, against my uh, better judgment as far as why the way I see Superman. Yeah, I've certainly felt that way myself, but it also does play into uh, this next uh, new rumor that we've been hearing about, and that, of course, is that the uh, teaser trailer that might be released uh, during the holiday season coming up might be a Batman-heavy teaser trailer. Now, a lot of people have said that it's way too early for any kind of a teaser, and uh, this is clearly just a rumor, and it is a rumor at this point, and it may or may not exist, and it may or may not be Batman-heavy, but but the big rumor, of course, and the thing that's kind of upsetting Superman fans, I guess, is that it's another another point in the direction that this is really going to be a Batman story. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have a problem with them releasing trailers that are or teasers that are particular to a particular character um obviously there would be a superman hopefully a superman heavy trailer maybe there'd be a batman a wonder woman heavy trailer uh so if the first one they release is a batman heavy teaser then all that's fine i no no problem with that as long as there is uh an even balance uh you know when all is said and done for both or all characters who are involved in this film to get uh, particular teasers or whatever that is, you know, uh, aimed uh, specifically for them. Uh, we may see something along the lines of what they showed at Comic Con this year, where it's you know Batman on the rooftop and uh, shooting the the bat signal into the sky, and then you know Superman kind of comes in at the end and that kind of thing. That 
that was to me would be Batman heavy. But um, if it's you know solely focused on Batman, and then as I said, we get a Superman one down the track. Well, that's that's fine by me. I can understand them doing something along those lines. But at this point in time, all we do know is that the rumor is that it may be attached to The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, which is being released on December 17th. Uh, so we'll wait and see if indeed a teaser for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is attached to that film when it hits uh, the cinemas, the theatres. Now, the last time that we had a rumour like this, I think, it was a, was a uh, Man of Steel trailer, maybe the full trailer for Man of Steel, and it was also released uh, with uh, one of the Hobbit movies, I believe, mm-hmm. and it ended up coming out a week before or several days before online or, or something, or we unlocked it somehow. Or it, uh, and, and I remember talking about it at the time, saying, you know, there was this big thing that... We could look forward to with um, the Hobbit movie, and and now it's already here, and and uh, kind of anticlimactically is already available. Yeah, I remember the teaser for Man of Steel was actually released with the Dark Knight Rises um, on the July uh, in twenty twelve. Uh, I got to see it the day before it was released in the US because of the time difference here in Australia, Dark Knight Rises was uh, screened. In uh, the movies here, uh, just, you know, a couple of mere hours, 12, 18 hours, whatever it is, uh, before the US. Uh, and I think then on the next day it got released online. So it's pretty much the same day as it gets released in the theatre. Uh, we do see it on the in- on the internet at the same time. So, or maybe even a little bit before, but uh, I think that happened with uh, the Avengers Age of Ultron trailer. It leaked and then uh, they decided, look, we'll just put the official version up now as well. So uh, it does happen. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about many times on the podcast, that, you know, we're in that age where it's real hard to keep anything under wraps Mm. and and something gets out there and suddenly everything's out there before you necessarily wanted it to be, so. Yeah, so that's the uh, rumor for a teaser trailer. Uh, Hopefully by December we'll have that one um, confirmed or, or not. So we wait and see what happens there but we do what we do have confirmed are the slate of superhero movies that warner brothers are planning between now and 2020 and there are quite a a few of them um i was a bit surprised and a bit a bit of an anti-climax at the fact that they released this in um a, a press release you know via um you know their um for their stakeholders, it was not, you know, you'd think something like this would be a big announcement, not through uh, those kind of channels, um, but it was uh, a press release that was released to Time Warner Investors uh, by Warner Brothers Chairman and CEO Kevin Shizuhara, who outlined an aggressive content strategy for the studio aimed at increasing profits while doubling down on outstanding contact, content, working with the best talent and maintaining the culture that makes Warner Brothers, so great. And now, do you want to go through the, the list of films, Scotty, or do you want me to, to do that? Well, I mean, uh, it's it's obviously very exciting. We're 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 I, I say this almost every week now. We're in an age of you know superhero greatness, and then it seems like every day or every other day we we hear another fantastic bit of news about what's a movie that's coming, or in this case, movies. That are coming, and uh, you know that being said, you know we have movies like The Flash and movies like Shazam, and and the weird thing about 
the flash obviously is is the 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 idea that we've already we've got the tv show now going Mm -hmm. and who knows how long that might last i'm trying to pull up the uh, list now that's why i'm kind of vamping here if anybody (laughs) might have been able to figure that out but uh you know what will happen with um with that, you know, it's already been said by people like Jeff Johns that the that the movie universe and the TV universe are going to be separate and they're not going to have any connection whatsoever. Mm, so, you know, could you have you you could have characters on TV that are not then on in movies, but now in this case you have you're going to have the same character on both TV and movies at the same time, assuming that the Flash television show lasts. Yeah, well, or have to last for another four years. Is it possible? That um, we'd see Wally West or or mm. a uh, different Flash. I mean, there have been so many, yeah. and and many people have their own favorite. sort of uh, favorite. So they could really go in any in any direction they wanted to in terms of uh, who, you know what they wanted to have happen. And uh, it looks like there's a set of uh, what is it, ten films uh, that they uh, yeah, at least that, ten that they movies, as well as and I should make a, mo- uh, a mention of this as well as a standalone Batman and Superman films. So uh, they are planning, they don't have them listed as dates or what year they'll happen, but somewhere between 2016 and 2020, we will get standalone Batman and standalone Superman films uh, that just aren't in the following list of uh, movies that they do have slated and dated. And we know those are Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which is uh, March of, of 2016, yeah. standing as of right now. We have Suicide Squad coming after that, also in 2016. And we and think that... And uh, along that, we have a rumor. Yep, yeah, go. go. No, I was just going to nice. say, I just wanted to put in... Jesse Eisenberg may mm-hmm. appear as Lex Luthor yes. in that film as well. And I guess Luthor has been involved with the with certain incarnations of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. I think generally working behind the scenes or maybe putting the team together or helping to plan for the team something along those lines so that would be exciting Mm -hmm. you know even though um, this movie might look like or sound like it's going to be batman heavy and not really a superman movie although he's in it it's nice always to see that uh uh, that lex luthor who is a heavy a big heavy hitter in superman comics would have another role in another film franchise because that's kind by proxy it's kind of like oh well this is still a superman movie too Mm. so i like to hear that kind of thing and then after that we have wonder woman which is awesome for a lot of people uh, starring gal gadot in 2017 which is something that many people have been concerned that might never happen yeah and it's uh, i find it i I find it very exciting that that we're going to get a wonder woman film and then we're up to justice league part one which will be directed, of course, by Zack Snyder, and it'll have Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Amy Adams, and, of course, Gal Gadot. And uh, I guess now Jason Momoa, who mm-hmm. never really announced that he was going to be in the movie. There were lots of rumors surrounding the fact that he would be, and lots of rumors and that he would keep debunking or saying, no, but I guess if I was going to be involved, it would be really cool. And then, of course, in 2018, there's going to be a standalone Aquaman movie, which is going to be great. We already talked about The Flash, which is also in 2018. And then Shazam in 2019, which we know now will star uh, The Rock as a I Black Adam. Yeah. So that's that's kind of cool. And then Justice League Part 2 in 2019, which I hope isn't the title, but just a second Justice League movie. Like you have Avengers, and then you have Avengers Age of Ultron. So yeah. hopefully it's like Justice League Brainiac attacks. That would be a lousy lousy title. But rumor is that Brainiac might 
might be the uh, villain in, in the, the first uh, one, Justice yeah. League movie, which again, like like Lex Luthor possibly being in Suicide Squad, is real cool because Brainiac's not villain. necessarily a Justice League villain, although he's so powerful and so dangerous that he could certainly be uh, the villain for the movie because uh, he may very well need more people to help stop him, yeah. uh, much like in the comics recently where that whole uh, that whole doomsday arc was 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 part of a plan that that Brainiac was involved yeah. in and then all the Justice League were kind of involved in that story even though it took place in Superman comics and then we have Cyborg a standalone in in 2020 with Ray Fisher and Green Lantern supposedly as well yeah so a great slate of superhero films from the DC world uh from now until uh, 2020 and uh uh, you know, again, we've mentioned the, the Batman and Superman solo films. Uh, amongst all that as well, they just haven't been and officially announced as far as what year or when they might slot in. Uh, so interesting to see uh, Henry Cavill, uh, I guess, will be around for quite a long time playing Superman. We've already had him in Man of Steel. We'll have him in Batman v Superman. And we assume that he'll be in both Justice League and Justice League Part 1 and Part 2. So... Uh, and then his own standalone Superman film or films amongst all that. So that would be very exciting. Uh, he's going to be a busy boy over the next four or five years. Should be five films in just what we've what we've listed and talked about uh, already. And, and, and obviously if this goes really well, those five will happen and uh, assumingly more. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, so that's the official announcement from, from Warner Brothers confirming their slate of superhero movies from 2016 through to 2020, and uh, we hope that they all happen. It's great. It's exciting. It's it's uh, you know the great greatest time to be a superhero fan. You know, looking at all these movies, both from Warner Brothers and Disney, that are coming out from the worlds of DC and Marvel, of all these superhero films, it's just the uh, another a movie golden age of superheroes. That's right. It's one of those things that. Growing up, you never, you probably never figured that you'd get to something like this, mm. where it was so popular and so mainstream and so cool, and so much money was being spent on it, and, and the films were coming out so well, and uh, it's really taken seriously, and it's really a big thing, and uh, it's great. Yeah. Now you mentioned the the Brainiac rumor, so we'll move on to outside the world of live action films, and we have a trailer for the next animated DC Universe movie, which is Justice League Throne of Atlantis. It follows on directly from Justice League War, uh, the animated movie. Uh, this one will be Aquaman heavy, but uh, obviously titled Throne of Atlantis. So uh, we saw the trailer was released uh, this past month. What did you make of the trailer? Did you, did you enjoy it? Are you looking forward to it? I found the trailer very exciting, and I really like the, uh, I like the animation a lot. Uh, it's interesting because it's obviously based on the the uh, Justice League comic book story, mm -hmm. Throne of Atlantis, which uh, happened, I guess, uh, was one of the, you know, the second or the third arcs going on in the Justice League books. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the movie, since people aren't really that familiar with Aquaman's origin, they're adding this whole origin thing where mm -hmm. he's Arthur Curry and, and he has a mother on land and uh, the whole lighthouse thing and that his father was a... Uh, a sailor and so we're going to see a lot more uh, about where Aquaman came from and, and, and that he's not necessarily uh, an Atlantean by birth no so uh, an, an interesting story there was a lot of uh, hoo-ha made about the fact that 
uh, Aquaman was not included in Justice League War because the Justice League Origins story by Jeff Johns from the comic books had Aquaman heavily involved in that story and they uh, removed him and put in uh, Shazam in his place for that story. But it made sense once the end of the movie came about because we obviously know that uh, the invasion by Apocalypse had some impact on the seas and the oceans and uh, the, um, it's created a problem for Atlantis and that's where this story will pick up uh, from the end of Justice League War and it will be interesting to see uh, just you know the whole backstory of uh, Aquaman and how he gets involved and how he comes to be a part of the Justice League. So um, very cool to see them pick up uh, from Justice League War and continue on into a, a second part. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see them do this kind of thing in the live-action movies. And, you know, with the slate that's been announced, it does mm. seem like there's a possibility that they might start running into each other and kind of having a cohesive uh, universe going on all at the same time with, with a continuing story and that kind of thing. So yeah. lots of exciting things going on. Exactly. So you can pre-order Justice League Throne of Atlantis from the Superman homepage online store. It is available in both Blu-ray and and DVD, and will be released on the 27th of January uh, 2015. So uh, check that out. It, As most of the animated movies do, that runs for 72 minutes and uh, it will be rated PG-13. So uh, head to the Superman homepage online store, supermanhomepage.com slash shop. We have listed here uh, that the, there's a television um, connection with Lego DC Comics. Uh, I'm not really sure what that means. Yeah, there is a, a special that's airing on Cartoon Network titled Lego DC Comics Batman Beleaguered, which will be a tie-in to the upcoming Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham video game. Uh, it's a, a special, I think it's a half-hour special, uh, just a one-shot thing, uh, and it says the... the, uh, the um, Log, log line, I think they call him, is, says, that, says that Batman prides himself on being a loner, a totally self-sufficient one-man band. Just ask anyone, Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing, Alfred, anyone. So he's, <laughs> so he's understandably irritated when his nightly cleanup of Gotham City villains is interrupted by Superman, who pesters Batman to join his new superhero team, the Justice League. After Batman makes it quite clear to the Man of Steel that his invitation has been declined, Superman flies off disappointed whereupon he is overcome with a strange energy and vanishes. Dun, dun, dun. Now, Batman Beleaguered, uh, as it's called, the, the uh, Lego DC Comics Batman Beleaguered, airs on Monday, October 27th, which is uh, already gone when you're listening to this. It will be repeated throughout the week. So check out Cartoon Network if you missed it on the Monday. Uh, it will be, again, I think Thursday and, and Saturday of the week. I'm sure it will probably be repeated uh, many times on Cartoon Network after that. Uh, so uh, something to, to check out uh, at the time of this recording, which is on the Monday for me as we're recording this. Uh, it uh, obviously hasn't been released, so we can't actually talk about it. Oh, how, how terrible for us that we oh, can't God. talk about another Batman-related <laughs> project longer. Uh, interesting, though. Um, I mean, I like to see Superman in all kinds of medium, and at least in this um, kind of situation he's the guy who's starting a new superhero team it's his idea so that's kind of cool yeah and brainiac is the big villain of the uh, lego batman 3 beyond gotham uh, video game um so i guess the f superman being 
um, zapped by some kind of uh, beam at the end of this description um, means Brainiac. Well, if I was going to call anyone to come in and stop Brainiac and save Superman, it, it would be Batman. <laughs> so uh, at least they're doing, you know, they're consistent. what I've always fantasized about. <laughs> All right, well, let's move out away from movies and TV and head into our comic book discussions where we've uh, had a quite a, an interesting month of uh, Superman comic books. We start off with Superman Doomed number two, which has been a long time coming. The Doomed story has been uh, raging for a few months now through the Superman books. And uh, in this final, or it's chapter four of Last Sun, it's called, uh, Evolutions, we, we see Superman kind of beating the Doomsday Virus. Yeah, <laughs> finally we see finally. him uh, uh, kind of come back to normal. And, of course, uh, as I was saying earlier, it's all tied into this Brainiac invasion story. Um, and uh, he, in order to beat the virus, he has to travel through a black hole. Mm. And uh, I guess it somehow heals him, and then he flies back to Earth over a period of 60 days or something. Yeah, now... Most of this story takes place within Superman's mind, like the the battle between him and Brainiac is a, like a mindscape battle, and just about how much you know Brainiac understands Superman or not. the The artwork changes a bit because I've got different artists on this, which is a little bit jarring, especially when you um, head to the Gotham City uh, side of the story. It looks very uh, animated, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I thought it was. Um... I actually meant to go back and look to see if the Bruce Tim artists were involved in mm. some way because it, it reminded me very much of the Batman animated series when they did that. In, in this case, I, I kind of found myself enjoying it because it was it was purposeful and it was different mind settings, I suppose. But in general, the changing artist thing is very jarring, and I think it's normally done because one artist can't get enough pages completed. So... They hire three or four different artists to do sets of pages. Yeah, and uh, we see this final page, which has created quite a bit of uh, discussion and chatter on the internet. Uh, Brainiac uh, sent through, he, he gets, a, 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 I guess, a look at this whole idea of a multiverse, and he just doesn't understand. He's like, what is this, is his question. And we see a Superman with a classic red trunks costume, uh, which has led to a lot of people wondering whether or not we will see a return to that costume, especially in light of the solicitations that we saw uh, coming up where we know Superman, or we've been told Superman will get a new look. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, when I came to that page myself, I, it, it's weird because, you know, Brainiac's the villain of the piece, and you don't normally have your readers feel through the villain, but I felt like... I was Brainiac in that moment, going, "What, what, 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 what am I looking at here? What is this? Is this, is this page really meant to confuse me this badly? Is this a an ad for an upcoming storyline? Is this the next DC event? What, what is this exactly?" And um, uh, I guess that's what it's. Uh, there's a book or a story called Multiversity. Uh, uh, is that correct? Yes, there is. It's a Grant Morrison um, book, but it's not necessarily tied into this that I've seen. Yet, um, 
there is a lot going on. There's a, a real massive multiverse out there, with, especially with the whole World's End, uh, sorry, Future's End thing that's and World's End that's happening in Earth 2 and all those kinds of things. There's a little bit of a confusing time in the Superman, in the DC Comics world or universe, uh, just with everything flying around the way it is in different futures and uh, different parts along the line of, of the timeline. So it's a little bit jarring as far as not understanding where things are going. It's interesting, but I haven't been able to really put a through line through it yet and be able to connect the dots. Um, but um, the the Doomed, getting back to the Doomed story, it has been a, quite an interesting run and, and quite a good run, I think, especially using Doomsday the way it did. It was quite different to anything we've seen. And for Brainiac to be revealed as the, the big bad guy behind it all, um, kind of came a bit out of left field, although you kind of knew Lois with her, you know, connection to Brainiac and having been taken over by Brainiac, uh, that there was some connection there. I just didn't realise that he had been the one that had um, put it all together. I didn't realise that Doomsday was, was his thing as well. Right, and that, you know, brings up another interesting point. You know, I read that story before I read the next two chapters of Future's End, which don't always feature Superman. No. Uh, but uh, the last several that I uh, that I read, I think it was 22, 23, 24, did have uh, Superman scenes in them. He's mm. out in the desert doing whatever he's doing, and John Constantine is there trying to uh, uh, convince him to come back or whatever. And uh, there was a scene in there, I believe it was in there, where um, somebody somebody kind of mocked him for thinking that 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 Brainiac was was Brainiac that he ever actually met Brainiac or and we've kind of heard this story before and, and before the new 52 launched there was this whole idea that every Brainiac incarnation that readers had ever seen really wasn't Brainiac they were all just constructs uh, cyborgs other versions sent out to try and do whatever they were going to do and and so of course it was easy enough for Superman to beat them because they weren't the real Brainiac so that makes me wonder if the Brainiac we saw in this story, this Doom story, was supposed to be Brainiac, or I mean, the idea that it was ever planned that way, of course, is is uh, is insane, uh, is, is 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 absurd, is preposterous. Um, each time Brainiac is introduced, he is Brainiac in that story. Yeah. It's just that when they want to relaunch it, or when they want to make Brainiac cooler, or different, or new, or somebody that they haven't had to seen defeated yet, then they say, "Oh, the other last one you saw wasn't real." But that's mm. that's just kind of the way they reset Brainiac as being somebody who's still out there. Yeah, now we move into Action Comics number 35, which is the next chapter in the Superman Doom saga. And uh, we see here a bearded Superman um, writing a story at the beginning of the, of the comic book titled Who Needs Superman Anyway? And then it flashes back to uh, him coming back to Earth and uh, coming up ac across Supergirl and having to rebuild the, the fortress and... and um, you know, I don't mind the bearded look. What about you? I actually thought he looked pretty good with the beard. <laughs> uh, you know, there have been stories, uh, I think usually Elseworld stories, where he does have a beard. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd stick with it for a little while, actually. I, I thought it looked uh, pretty good. Um, at the beginning of this story, he's talking about how he's been in space for 60 days, or it took him 60 days to get back from mm -hmm. the black hole. Now, did it initially take him 60 days to get to the black hole? He talks about flying past Saturn's rings. Are we supposed to 
feel like it takes Superman 60 days to fly from Saturn to Earth? Or, well, or, um, or, or did he just go so far away with the black hole that he was way outside our solar system and he's I been flying since? Be or, case. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit. I wasn't exactly sure what it was. And then, uh, and then during the scene in, in the fortress with Supergirl, he, she, she kind of breaks the news to him that Kandor is gone and that her friend then is gone and he's upset about it. But that reminds me that there were all kinds of other civilizations in the ship that he was in with Brainiac. So did Superman leave them all in the black hole too? And then does he only care about the people that are in Kandor that are now missing or good question because they're just gone and he took the ship there and left Brainiac there and left the ship there and Brainiac's the collector so he had thousands of other worlds and people shrunken down inside that ship they were shown to us many times mm. and and they were just left out there too which I mean I think when Superman does what he does he expects he's going to be trapped there too because he says in the story, mm. I'd just rather save them uh, than save myself. So it may not be, he may not know that he's going to get out of the thing. So it, his plan didn't really take into account, I think, saving all those other... At the time. Uh, you know, because he was just trying to stop the situation from getting worse. Um, I also thought it was funny that in the story he says, oh, it's very important, i got to get out there and see. Because she says, "You, we can't just leave, you just got back. And he says, no, 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 I have to go check on the world. You know, things could still need my attention, and, and it's very important that I... So he, he, he knows it's urgently important that he get out there and check on Smallville, and he shows up in the bus. <laughs> Which means he went to a bus... He left the Arctic, went to a bus station dressed as Clark, bought a ticket, waited for it to arrive, took the bus, waited in the bus for the two, three, six hours it took to get to Smallville... Then got off the bus and started riding a bike around. Doesn't particularly smell of urgent. Yeah, strange. I mean, unless he like got on a bus just outside of Smallville so that people would see him getting off the bus because they would recognise him and so they would wonder how he got in or something along those lines. It's not really explained well and as you say, it looks a bit strange. One minute he's in the fortress, next minute he's getting off a bus. Uh, so that was a bit bizarre, but... Uh, he touches base in Smallville, comes across Lana, who's now apparently in a relationship with John Henry Irons, a tour of a couple. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I mean, I think it was, uh, it seemed like it was coming. It's, uh, yeah. It seemed like they kind of, Bonded. Uh, you know, they, they uh, comic book relationships kind of come about pretty quickly, but at least there was some build up to this. Mm -hmm. At least you could kind of see it throughout this story and, and you could see that that's the, the direction that they were headed in. I did think it was odd that she, you know, he, uh, in his, in his narration says, Oh, same old Lana, even though she's mad at me, she's still protecting my identity. But I kind of looked at it as her protecting Steele's identity because she doesn't know mm. that they each know that they know the other. So to her, John Henry Irons is, is Steel, but Clark is Superman, but neither one of them know that the other is the other. So she's making sure that that John Henry Irons to Clark is just John Henry Irons and, and, and I guess vice versa, but I was I was kind of looking at it as, you know, I'm not gonna I already know your secret and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about it, but I'm also not gonna tell you, Hey, this is Steel, by the way. Mm. You know. 
but I also I, I did think it was um, a little weird because I thought, and they don't make mention of it now. Of course, they don't have any time alone, but Steel and Superman don't. Don't they know? I mean, weren't there parts in this very story where they they call each other Clark and, and John Henry and all that? I guess so. I can't remember, but uh, I I. It's it's hard to remember who knows whose secret identities in these, uh, in this continuity. Um, so I'm not sure if either of them knows the other one is Superman. Like if you know if they know each other's secret identities or not. And I guess Lana doesn't know at this point either if they both know or not. Because she's not going to guess. She's not going to ask them. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, do you know do you that know he's steel or yeah. am I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then of course we have this is a story where. We have the Superman hating thing going on again, and we talked about this at the top of the show. And it, it does seem natural for human beings to feel a certain way toward people when when things like this happen. But again, if he doesn't stop Doomsday in the first place, which causes him to get infected, everyone dies anyway. Mm. So it's kind of like, again, a double-edged sword. Uh, I risked myself. And I didn't even know there was this virus that was going to infect me, but I could have died in the battle alone. And in fact, in some versions of the story, I did. I died in the battle against Doomsday. But here I go. I'm going to risk myself. I'm going to sacrifice myself. And now I get sick. And because I get sick, my own friends are infecting the environment with kryptonite, um, uh, telling me they don't trust me anymore, and, and telling me to take time off. It just annoys me. And, and uh, it seems... Like people are either duplicitous or two-faced or or just uh, uh, hypocrites or turncoats. I don't know what they are, but they clearly have no loyalty, and that bothers me. Mm. Now, obviously, Lois is back to being uh, Lois with no uh, idea of Superman's secret identity. She's as fierce as ever and uh, takes Clark to task over the anti-Superman uh, article that he wrote or blogged about, uh, yet Lex seems to be pretty happy about it. Lois is in character very much, and you, you know, seeing her act that way was great. And I guess Lana's in character too, but it was really it was weird for me because I I did a full one eighty because in one minute I was saying, oh man, you know, since Clark and Lois aren't together, and the Wonder Woman Clark thing clearly isn't going to last. Wouldn't it be kind of neat if if Lana and Clark kind of had a thing? Because when he shows up and she throws her arms around him and is so happy to see him, I thought, "Eh, that's kind of romantic, you know? And then five seconds later, I'm going, man, Lana is is a five-letter B word. And and that that was strange because I just – my attitude on her changed so quickly. And one minute I loved her and I I was like, I really like this relationship – as opposed to like the Smallville TV show relationship with Lana. Mm. And then she goes and says what she says. And that really. And then I thought maybe she was going to apologize for it later when she was whispering to him and hoping he could hear her. And she kind of made it worse. Yeah. Well, she uh, she gets uh, a bit of revenge at the end or a bit of revenge from the reader, if you like, at the end with some hand coming up out of the grave to, to grab her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I don't know that I. That's you know, if I'm, the if I'm trying to follow Superman's model, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on it. <laughs> All right. Well, according to the uh, the iPad version, uh, after the end of this uh, Superman Action Comics number thirty-five, the next read is Supergirl number thirty-five, uh, which is um, uh, a Superman, sorry, a Supergirl and Red Hood 
team up, if you like. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed this comic book because uh, I, I really I really like the Michael character and I really like how it's grounding Supergirl as a, as a character and and really you know giving her a connection to human beings and to families and you know to having some kind of a, a core that she can go back to. Yeah, it's it's nice. We talked about this last month that that uh, she's kind of finally been given something that she can look forward to somebody that uh, she had um uh, uh Sioban, i know you you know how to pronounce it better Siobhan. than i do uh, siobhan um for a short time but that didn't last very long mm. uh and and that was kind of a uh human <laughs> normal and then we found out she wasn't normal and she found out she wasn't normal but now we have uh michael and his family and and everyone knows she's there and they're friends. And it's kind of a nice family type atmosphere that's going on there. Mm. So I agree with you. I like that. Um, I didn't at first love the cover and the solicitation because it was at the mercy of the Red Hood. And I was just thinking, so what? <laughs> some guy with a dumb red helmet on. Yeah, he does seem um, to have some superpowers, but doesn't Yes. He? In the story, uh, he's clearly infected by something or affected by something that is giving him some sort of ability that he shouldn't have. So mm. that at least explains some of it. And he doesn't really have the ability to take her down or beat her, and he doesn't even try to. No. Um, he just is able to evade her and not die, which you probably wouldn't want, I guess, yeah, as a character. Exactly. So uh, we have pretty both Pretty happy where the Supergirl comic book seems to be headed. Uh, even to see her go back and repair the window and making a note of that seems to be quite a change in her character and her attitude. I did think, where did she get the money to do it, though? Because earlier <laughs> on, Jason Todd says, you know how much a window costs? What, are you crazy? <laughs> and then later, the window's fixed and there's a big bow on it. So it's not like she well, they didn't made show you that She actually robbed the bank to pay for that window. Yeah, right. Well, we didn't see that. They <laughs> cut those pages. <laughs> It's, now, that, if they would have concluded those pages, it would have been another two dollars. Because they, <laughs> right? You know, when they yeah, where we get, where are we going to get the money for that? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, the next reading, uh, comic book in that reading line, uh, is also the Superman Doomed Saga in the aftermath of that, and that is Superman Wonder Woman number twelve. And um, we finally, well, again, Superman returns. He's still bearded uh, in this story. And they have a, a public uh, display of affection between him and Wonder Woman, who has taken down, uh, what's her name, Giganta or whatever her name is, a giant uh, woman. Yeah, and and um, we have this scenario where uh, Clark gives Diana this uh, plant, this blue flowered plant uh, from the fortress and tells her that it needs to be oiled regularly and uh, that doesn't happen because she's away fighting and doing all kinds of things and the uh, plant turns into a, a monster and goes on a rampage and uh, causes a bit of a rift between the two about trust and about what you know you're supposed to do and uh, it's interesting because we do get the Wonder Woman telling Superman finally that she loves him. Yeah, I, I like how he kind of does a double take. <laughs> when she says it, what, what, what? Like he's in the middle of about to yell at her again or say, where do you think you're going Wait, or whatever? What? But he just kind of says, oh, uh, she just said that, didn't she? Uh, kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's also kind of a natural statement. Uh, somebody who does feel that way 
doesn't necessarily say it all the time. They right. just feel it. And in this case, she is kind of chastising herself. You know, listen, I love this guy. Why am I acting in this manner? Um, so it was kind of neat to see. Um, a couple of things I thought were interesting. I don't know that I know how Superman's suit works, but I don't necessarily have to know. I'm the reader, and it's kind of supposed to be a mystery to me. But it seems like the writers don't know how Superman's suit works because my memory of it was it transformed into what he needed. So it's always on him, and sometimes it looks like Clark Kent clothes, and other times it looks like Superman clothes. And she says, well, you have a change of clothes here, so we should be okay. But he wouldn't need a change of clothes if that were the case. Uh, now, so, from what I understood was, and from the, I think it was in the Dan Jurgens run, the when it wasn't the Superman suit, it was just the symbol underneath his shirt. So he would still rip open his shirt, tap the S symbol on his chest, which would then form into the Superman costume. Okay, well then that answers that, I guess. Uh, the, the the petrol pipeline is awesome. Does that really exist? I don't think that exists, right? That can't exist. That Across can't be the oceans? Real. Yeah, I don't think it would. Surely it would be yeah. under sabotage if it did. And I was going to look it up, you know, but uh, I figured it had to be uh, just a comic book thing, you know, yeah. because, you know, we have trucks in America <laughs> that have to, w- you have to wait when there's a fuel shortage or That's whatever. Right. People are lined up forever. It takes forever to get uh, uh, trucks out to you, but... Uh, uh, I love the Swamp Thing page. I love the art in the book in general. I, yeah. I thought that the art was really good. And even when the artists change right around the Swamp Thing page, it didn't. It wasn't as staggeringly noticeable mm-hmm. as it is in other issues. And I thought the art was really great. And the final splash with the two of them kind of in shadow, deciding that they're gonna, she's gonna keep the flower, and he's happy. And um, I like how I like how they look, but I also like how. It's just kind of like, ah, well, we just caused a lot of destruction, destroyed a bunch of buildings, and we don't care. We're going to just keep messing around with this flower anyway. Uh, This is one of those stories where it definitely is Superman and Wonder Woman's fault that (laughs) this thing happened because they don't need to be messing around with this flower. All right. should have stayed in the fortress where it was safe. That's right. Now we're moving to Justice League number 35, and this is a plan by the Justice League with Bat- uh, by Batman where obviously Lex Luthor is joining the Justice League and they're like, you know, we, we want to try to catch him out. We want to try to trap him, entrap him into some kind of a, a ploy where he'll reveal his uh, you know, villainous side and we'll be able to arrest him and we'll be done with him. But, uh, and, in, and in doing that, uh, Lex is asked to give Batman or Bruce Wayne or whoever is a Batman, I think it's Batman, uh, a tour uh, of uh, LexCorp and the labs. Uh, it's Bruce Wayne, and yep. um, and you know they're trying to you know find anything they can on Lex's you know all these different labs, but um, he seems to be pretty good at hiding whatever he's hiding. Yeah, I mean Lex has always kind of been good at that sort of thing, and it, it seems a little bit absurd that. Bruce Wayne would think that he'd be able to get Lex Luthor to admit to wrongdoing, you know, that easily mm. or or right He's out in the open genius, like that. Isn't he? Uh, yeah. So I, I, it was kind of su- surprising that he would think that to begin with. Although maybe he's just wishful you know maybe he's yeah. having wishful thinking hoping that they'll be able to catch him in something hoping he'll slip up. Uh, but I do like the way you know, if it's not specifically concentrating on a story arc like Throne of Atlantis, 
they they do seem to split up story time between all these characters in yeah. the Justice League book. So I, I think they do a good job of that. And, of course, we have another situation here where even with Lex Luthor, who is, who is Superman's, you know, Nemesis. enemy, we got Batman being the man with the plan uh, again to, to, to take him down or whatever. But uh, I guess in the Batman-Superman public enemies thing, they both did it together as well. So sometimes, you know, there's crossover with uh, yeah, one character's villains yeah. often. But uh, it's interesting in this case that it's really Batman versus uh, Lex. Lex Luthor. And that's where it all started, where he went over there and told him that he knew who he was. Yeah, and now it's interesting to see the return of a Superman, uh, well, a long-time villain, haven't seen in, a, in ages, Neutron. Um, and uh, he is just the... I guess the, uh, the the catalyst for releasing what is to be the next big story, uh, the release of the Amazo virus, uh, virus A13 canister has been ruptured. Yes, indeed. And I guess uh, maybe that is the proof that they need on Lex <laughs> right. Uh, right there. I mean, if, if this thing gets out and does, of course... When Wonder Woman and Superman let a plant destroy blocks and blocks of <laughs> London, everything's just kind of, ha-ha, that's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I guess the Amazo's going to be a, a decent story arc, uh, three or four title, uh, three or four stories, to uh, see how it will lay waste to the members of the Justice League. So that'll be an interesting read. Yeah, especially if Lex does end up being the person to save the day in that. It'll be hard to get rid of him off the team. Yeah, I mean, he really did kind of, he was a big part of saving the day in Forever Evil. Mm. So even when he says things in the story like, I'm one of the greatest heroes of the world and these are my friends, <laughs> um, he's not really lying no. at this point because he was in that particular moment. So Now, the most recent comic uh, as of uh, this recording was Superman number 35, which is the John Romita Jr. continuation of the Ulysses story, and the two of them uh, in the in the number thirty-four, the previous chapter, uh, Ulysses seemed to have uh, killed uh, the the uh, the person uh, that they thought was the machinist, uh, but ended up being uh, someone who was already dead that was being controlled by remote uh, by the real machinist, and so uh, while Superman berates uh, Ulysses about. You know, not there always got to be some other method. There's always got to be another way. You know, even if you thought I was going to be killed, you have to find another way to do things. And so he seems to have gotten a second chance because the person was already dead and, and was just, you know, a, being a puppet, if you like. And so they tracked down the real machinist aboard a, uh, a, a, a tanker, a carrier boat out in the ocean where they attack him and he tries to, you know, attack them back. And, um, Ulysses, using the special powers that he has, tries to run the connections back from the machinist to all the weapons he sold uh, across the earth and just realizes that there are so many weapons, guns, tanks, planes, you know, everything, every type of weapon that is out there is just so much that they're really, the, the war that Superman's waging against crime is nothing compared to the amount of weapons that are out there and he realizes that something bigger has to be done and he he goes off and flies off on his own superman's unable to find him and towards the end of the story 
Ulysses using his powers um, beams a message to every device, phone, TV, whatever, monitor everywhere around the world saying that, um, you know, he uh, has uh, um, an, an opening to an, another reality, a better tomorrow, and he has an opening for six million people who are of uh, sound, you know, who, who want peace, who, you know, want what his parents wanted um, to come with him to a better world. And uh, what did you make of this? Well, I will say it kind of surprised me. I mean, I was expecting him to say that he was going to be the new ruler and that yeah. he was taking everyone's weapons. Yeah. And so it was, it was a different announcement than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, me too. Nonetheless, this announcement is probably going to cause a lot of issues. Oh, yeah. Um, there's probably going to be, I would imagine, rioting in the streets um, one way or another to, for you know, six million people isn't that many that are going to want to go to somewhere like this. Now, I don't know who would really want to go into some strange portal that's supposed to take take you to another world of some kind. But uh, it was a strange, strange announcement. You know, what's weird, too, about this whole thing, you know, Jeff Johns is supposed to be one of the greatest storytellers that DC has, and, and people love the way he reimagines origins of characters and things, is that in this, not just this book, but... This story, it seems like there are a lot of pages and panels with no dialogue, a lot more than in most books. And I realize that comic books are a visual art form. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, you should be able to tell a feeling or an emotion or a thought without that many words or with no words at all. And in this case, you see a lot of that. You see disappointment. You see sadness. You see you know, um, embarrassment, those kind of things. But it's but it's panel after panel, you know. These books can be read. These these uh, Jeff Johns books, uh, uh, Superman right now. The, the the creative team of Jeff Johns and and Ramita seem like you could read them much more quickly because there's mm. nothing to read. It's it's a lot of just looking at, and we you know I've already talked about it. It's, the art isn't even that good to look at, but the story is very simple, and there's not a lot that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, in this book, I thought the cover was horrendous, but um, there are a lot of bad panels and a lot of bad pages. But then there are also pages where they look really good. Like when they're lifting the ship up, I thought it looked pretty good. Mm. Uh, but then then you got the pages where Perry has his glasses, but then he doesn't – the glasses just disappear. And people in the backgrounds always kind of look like – blurry versions of people with just dots for eyes like they don't they don't have any kind of definition at all and so it's weird and uh being that it's a story that seems to rely a lot more on art than words the art doesn't seem to hold up to that need but it, it is telling the story i mean um it's interesting and i'm i want to see how people react to this announcement yeah, I think that's the uh, the kind of the cliffhanger ending that we're going for, and it, it will be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, so, uh, but I'm with you on the artwork. I'm not sold on John Romita Jr.'s style. I don't see what the big hoo ha was. Uh, his style on Superman hasn't really won me over to date. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not really fussed. Uh, and Jeff John's story does seem to want to lend itself to an artist's visual style for them to be able to tell stories without words and i just i'm just not seeing that from ramita jr 
conversely, on the Supergirl book we already covered, mm -hmm. I could see that artist saying that he was inspired by Romita's style, I guess. I don't know that he is. But when I was reading it, I thought, this is what Romita's style might supposed to look like. <laughs> like, it, it kind of... It, it, it kind of has that the Supergirl book kind of had that I don't know um, stylized, not particularly realistic, but but it looked cool, and it wasn't sloppy. It didn't look like he rushed. It looked like it, it had this feel to it, which might be what Romita is going for. But when I look at it, and people say, "Well, I like Romita's style," I've heard people say that. I don't really think it's a style so much as it is. Let me just rush through this page. Whereas with the Supergirl thing, which it has, there are similarities, but it's not sloppy. It's not messy. It doesn't look like, you know, that they rush through it. I don't know. Mm, no, I agree with you. So, uh, any other comic book uh, from the new 52 that we need to discuss is Batman Superman number 15. And in this, uh, we see that Batman and Superman both. Uh, struggle with the idea of whether or not they want to get their memories back, especially on Batman's side of the st of the story. Um, and all they have to do is want to remember, and that's a big contentious issue in this. Do they want to go back to the way things were, or are they happy being, you know, um, without the baggage of their past? Well, it seems like they're pretty happy. Um, on the other hand, Superman is doing things that. Superman would never do and and doesn't believe in. So I think I think in on one hand Batman would be happy not to remember, but on the other hand Superman would probably want to remember. And the interesting thing here is that Batman again is the hero of the story and is the one that needs to remember in order to convince Superman to remember in order so that they can you know end this whole charade. Right. And at the same time we get to see that Lois Lane is romantically interested in Batman, which made me want to strangle something <laughs> yeah it's uh that was one of those things like no but but i guess that's from a superman's point of view if you're a batman fan would you have been annoyed at batman and catwoman seemingly being romantically involved uh, i certainly wasn't as a superman fan <laughs> but um i guess you could be from a batman standpoint although the Batman Catwoman quote unquote romance isn't as well defined sure. as the Superman Lois Lane romance. And every time you show Lois, just like on Smallville, date Lex, you know, want to date Lex or want to date Arrow or want to date, it, it gets to be like, so she's just kind of settling on Clark when she finally gets around to it because the other ones didn't work out, but she would have been just as happy with any strong-willed, powerful, um, you know, honorable hero. Mm. It's not that she loved Clark or whatever. So it's almost like she's, it, it makes her look bad. It makes, it makes him look not as important. And it's, it's just, I believe it's, it's a bad way to go about things. And as you said, could you look at it the same way? for the Superman Catwoman thing, although uh, they don't really seem to have an actual romantic connection, whereas Lois, you know, they clearly make it seem like Lois and Bruce are into each other as opposed to 
Catwoman is flirty with everybody, and uh, there's this big hulking man with his shirt off, and she also wants to use him for her own. But neither one of them really seem like they're into the other mm. in a uh, in a romantic, romantic way. way. No, I understand that. So, uh, yeah, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way too. But uh, for the story, the way it was involved, I guess it, it made uh, an interesting point. You know, was this, there was something for Batman to, to want to you know, stay connected to, you know, or does he go back to being the way he was, uh, knowing what he, had, what he, you know, what he knows now. And so it, it was an interesting story. I like the artwork. I know a lot of people aren't that great on like uh, Jay Lee's artwork, but uh, I like it. Although the action figures that are coming out based on his artwork don't look that great. No, <laughs> they're kind of horrendous. I like the word horrendous because it really describes what things look like at some <laughs> at times. Uh, a cover to Superman 35, horrendous. Mm. Uh, these characters based on the artwork from Batman Superman, horrendous. Mm. Um, but uh, the artwork in the book itself I do, do like. uh, really like. So uh, I found it uh, – I always find it nice to – you know, and, and we were talking before about comics being a visual art form and – in this case, more than a lot of the others, it really is art, arty and, and, and looks like artwork, and I like it. Yep. That is where we're at with the Superman comics in the New 52. The only other thing I wanted to speak about in the comic book terms is the fact that Brian Q. Miller has officially announced that the Smallville Season 11 comic book uh, will be coming to a planned end as of the end of the current run of the story called Continuity. 12-part story. I think we're up to part 7, part 8, uh, even part 9 maybe coming out this week. Uh, so it's nearing its end. Uh, the good run of uh, season 11 stories that continued on from the end of the TV series, the 10 seasons of the t TV series of Smallville. I've enjoyed the Smallville comic book. I thought uh, Brian Cumilla has done a great job. Some stories have been better than others. Um, but at the moment, the the continuity story is a, a great story. It involves a lot of the DC universe: Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, you know, a lot of the other heroes. Green Arrow, obviously, is still heavily involved. Chloe, Lois are all very much involved in this story, and uh, as is Lex Luthor. So um, I'll be um, interested to see how this story can, finishes off. Seeing it has it was a planned ending that he always had this story in mind to conclude his run on season 11, uh, but at the same time I'll also be uh, sad to see it go because it has been a pretty solid read. Is there any possibility, and, and did you think of this at all, that, that, that this, since they call it season 11, that sort of indicates that it's a thing that has to end because seasons end, a season ends. If yeah. it was just called Smallville, Smallville could be ongoing. But do, that, that, you know, a few months from now, a new artist or new writer will be announced, and it will be Smallville season twelve. Or Brian Q. Miller himself could come back, and it could be Smallville season twelve, and and the next however many stories that they had for season twelve. Well, according to Miller, it's not just the end of the season; it's the end of the series. As in, so he was pretty. Um, he said the end was not sudden. Uh, it was no way, in, in, no way contentious. It was not a surprise from the creative side in the least. This was planned, 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 and I blessedly had more than enough time to end this thing the way I'd always intended. All told, uh, it goes on, he says, the series didn't truly lack for, uh, for not having some of the stories that he'd pitched down in between. Um, but he says, 
Uh, from the top down, everyone on this side of the screen worked endlessly to create a continuous Smallville experience from the television screen to the computer tablet phone display to the printed page. As Clark's world grew and expanded into Superman, so did the kind of stories we were able to tell. And he says, he goes on to thank everybody and, um, you know, and so from his point and from the point of DC Comics, from what I understand, um, that's the end of the, the series as far as not just the end of a season. Right, right. So, okay. But it was planned. Very good. So let's move into outside the world of comic books. We have a couple of stories that uh, were quite interesting this month for the world of Superman. And that was one of them was the decision by the Sup- Supreme Court to deny a review of the Superman case from the Schuster side of things, uh, which, uh, according to our friend and legal expert Jeff Trexler, is uh, the final nail in the coffin for that side of the argument. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think <laughs> it's been going on for so long, and uh, every time it seems like one one decision has been made a couple of years later or months later. Um, it has to be brought up again somewhere. So yeah. I'm not sure how many other loopholes there are or how many other, um, you know, uh, addendums they can pull out of somewhere and say, no, no, no. Uh, what about this? Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, it's, you know, this, this ongoing never ending battle, maybe mm. finally coming to an end. Yeah. We'll wait and see. And then um, we have the sad story, although uh, a, a, ni- a nice conclusion, if you like, the statue of the um, the little, uh, I think it was five years old, uh, the, the young boy who uh, was murdered or killed um, a, a few years ago, and had they the family wanted to uh, erect a, a statue in his honour. Uh, dressed as um, Superman in the Superman costume, was finally unveiled. And as we know, the, the um, DC Comics reversed their original decision about allowing the Superman S to be used on the statue. And that was uh, erected and, and unveiled uh, recently in Canada. Um, and the young gentleman, young little boy's name was Jeffrey Baldwin. He was five years old, died in 2002. And um, as I said, the statue was uh, unveiled this uh, past month um, in Toronto, Greenwood Park. Yeah, I'm very glad, and I, I think we said this before, that DC decided to reverse their initial decision. And I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't actually see why the decision was made the way it was in the first place. But yeah. it's a very, very, it's a very uh, pleasant ending to an unfortunate story. And and the statue is. Um, uh, it's a bronze statue, and it's of the, of the boy wearing uh, a, a certain version of the Superman costume, yeah. and it's it's nice to see, and it's uh, it's it's good that they uh, allowed it to happen. Yeah, exactly. And last but not least, uh, in our topics, is the uh, Superman Honey Mustard Chicken Burger released in Mac- uh, in Hong Kong. The McDonald's of Hong Kong have this range of Justice League burgers. Um, that uh, started with a Batman double beef burger, I believe, and now it's Superman's turn with the release of the Honey Mustard Chicken Burger, and they've got a website and everything that's uh, attached to this promotion, Uh, a little bit of a a TV commercial as well, and the Green Lantern and the Flash will also feature uh, next, and there's also a limited edition uh, box set of minifigures, as well as these Justice League Tasty Card food vouchers 
that uh, people can, can get uh, as well? You know, every few months or sometimes years, I see one of these things in another country and I go, why do they get all the cool stuff? <laughs> I'm sure they say that about us in a lot of places too, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Superman chicken sandwich, uh, and the commercial was cool to look yeah, at and the website was really little, good. the little figures are cool. And, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, are superheroes bigger in, in, to, to kids there or in mainstream or I don't know. Cause I know uh, we were talking before movies, the movies are huge and TV and you know, they're expanding into everything. But I do notice that a lot of, you know, happy meals and that kind of thing in McDonald's are based on children's movies that are released here. And there's not a lot of superhero stuff that goes occasionally if there's a superhero cartoon on or something, they mm. they'll base that kind of stuff on it. But just a, generic superman honey mustard chicken burger that's not based on a movie or a cartoon or anything that kids would know it's, i find it very interesting that there would be a market for that or that they would want to do that but th that's why i don't i don't understand well <laughs> apparently in hong kong they they are interested in something like that yeah i mean it's usually around movies i remember they did um was it uh, Hardy's and whoever they connected, the other restaurant that they're connected with in the U.S. had uh, a Man of Steel-themed uh, thing happening at the time of Man of Steel. Uh, when I was there in Metropolis last year, they uh, they had them there and they had little figures and things and stickers and what have you. Uh, so that uh, obviously happens when a movie comes out. But, yeah, interesting that they're doing a Justice League one now in Hong Kong just in the middle of nothing. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I almost I moved to Hong Kong when I saw it. <laughs> All right, let's move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, what do you think of the news about a live-action Supergirl TV series, and who would you cast as Supergirl? Dave Booth wrote in, he said, I'm not sure who I'd cast, but I'm all for the show being given the green light. I look forward to seeing all new superhero TV shows. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, I guess it's hard to, to cast somebody when you're not sure. Everyone, as you'll see in the following answers, uh, likes Laura Vandervoort because she was already played Supergirl in Smallville. And Hector writes in, he says, I like it. I want at least a little more detailed story of Krypton leading up to her arrival to Earth and looking for her cousin Kal-El. And he wants the one and only Laura Vandervoort to play Supergirl again. Yeah, she, uh, she, I guess, made an impression on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's, well, they are going for the older, the older, I was going to say she's probably outgrown it now, but they are yeah, going 24. for the 24-year-old. So she probably would fit the age range. I don't think they'll do something like that because no. they usually like to distance themselves from other incarnations That's but right. uh, argent l wrote hi steven scotty it's truly nice to hear that we might get a supergirl show who will be cast whoever she will be i hope she has a sense of humor grace and kindness this trend towards the grittier, grittier darker heroes really doesn't appeal to me i don't mind if the hero has to fight against the odds and help turn the world into a better place but the last thing i would need to see is an angry brooding supergirl so keep your capes crossed and hope for the best yeah good answer there from argent l Donovan Hunter wrote in and he says, I'm excited for the series and I hope people will give it a chance. I think Britt Robertson is perfect for the role. Uh, who would you cast, Stephen Scotty? Keep up the awesome podcast. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't really have anybody in mind myself. Yeah, I, I 
I haven't been able to come up with any actors that I know mm. that are that around that age range that would be perfect. I don't know who uh, Britt Robertson is. Um, so, I, uh, you know, you were able to come up with someone that you know from something else that you're familiar with. I, I don't really know of anyone that fits the description right now that I can think of. Mm. Uh, looking at Britt Robertson, uh, okay, I recognize her. I think let's have a look what she was in. Um, she was in The Ghost Club. She was, um, she's from North Carolina. She was, let's see, she's been in um, Keeping Up With The Steins, Dan In Real Life, The Tenth Circle, Mother and Child, Scream 4, Delivery Man, and her, uh, oh, she's in Under The Dome. Okay, I recognise her from Under The Dome. Uh, There you go. Her character died, but she's age 24, so. Oh, spoiler alert, Steve. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> All right. Patrick O'Neill wrote in, I'm thrilled to hear that Supergirl will be getting a live action show. I really hope it is successful and has a long run on TV. As far as who I would cast in the leading role, I would love to see Laura Vandervoort return as Supergirl. Is it Vandervoort? I think it's Vandervoort. Okay. It's there. All right. I see that there, but I didn't think there was. But okay. However, I realize that it's highly unlikely to happen. So the new person I would cast would be Amber Heard. A hmm. uh, name that I recognize, but I don't uh, know who she is. Doing a quick search. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, she's an actress and model. Uh, she's de- made a debut in Friday Night Lights. Um, and I think she's age 28, so she might be a little bit on the older side, but a lot of actors play younger, as did Tom Welling in Smallville. That is true. I think he was about 45 years old when uh, <laughs> he was supposed to be in ninth grade, so uh, you're right. All right, what's our new big question, Scotty? What are your thoughts on the whole Batman being taller than Superman issue for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice? Yes, yeah, Scotty and I gave our thoughts on this earlier in the show, so now it's your chance to get involved with the big question segment of the show by letting us know what your thoughts are on the whole Batman being taller than Superman thing for the upcoming movie. Let us know by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and sending your answer. We will read those out next month. Or you could record an audio answer. We haven't had one of those in a while. Send that in as an MP3 file and we'll play that here on Radio KAL. Only one thing alive Yes, super secret soundbite time. Last month's secret soundbite came from the 1948 Superman serial. Uh, let's hear that again, Steve. A baby. It's alive. How could it be? Yeah, so there it was. And uh, only two people got it right. And they, uh, and they were Jeremy Crawford and David Huang. So congrats to those two guys for guessing that that sound came from the Kirk Allen 1948 Superman serial. Nice job. Now, let's see if those two guys and a lot more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super super secret soundbite comes from. Superman save Lois. Well, there you have it. If you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL. Superman song time. What do we have this time around? Well, we have a song 
funnily enough, titled Superman. It's by Robin Hitchcock and the Egyptians from their 1989 album titled Queen Elvis. So Mm. here it is.
Well, that's the song and that is our show. And a reminder that our show is now proudly sponsored by Patrick O'Neill, Superman fan and supermanhomepage.com supporter. So once again, thanks to Patrick. Now remember, if there is a topic you think Scotty and I need to discuss, maybe there is a big question you think we should be asking of the fans, maybe there's a comedy sketch you think we should play. We didn't have one this month, so uh, we are open to those suggestions. Anything you want to uh, give us feedback about for this show, we're only too happy to hear from you. You can click on the Cal feedback form to send us an email, or you can send a direct email to myself at steve at supermanhomepage.com, or you can contact Scotty, scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we will try to use your ideas in a future show. But for now, that is it for this month. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.